0: Hello and welcome to Reformed Podmatics, a weekly podcast hosted by Pastor Mark Van Dyke and Pastor Zach Dewey of Almond Valley Christian Reformed Church in Ripon, California. This podcast exists to promote the vibrant, biblical, and historically informed face of Reformed theology, both in our context and beyond.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Reformed Podmatics. I am Pastor Zach. I'm Pastor Lucas. And today we are excited to have you all back with us. It's, uh, again, it's a fun opportunity to have to have Lucas sitting in the hot seat with us and so Lucas thank you for being back again with Reformed Podmatics. Today we're going to be getting into a topic that I would say is a little nearer and dearer to your heart uh, <laughs> than it is to mine and so we'll we'll jump into that. But as as the audience can see you've clicked on the episode you now know that it is about just or theory. This is a obviously a long and controversial uh, conversation that has been happening in the christian church uh, at least at least since the time of saint augustine in the yeah. fourth century uh but it's something that uh really has been uh having people thoughtful people it, both inside the church and outside the church having them think for a very very long time uh and so in some ways and actually in my study for the episode i discovered that just war theory actually kind of goes back all the way to uh Ancient Greek philosophers, they mm. were thinking about what causes or what, what what makes a war just, what makes fighting a war just, and I thought that that was, that was fascinating, and so in, in some ways the Christian uh, tradition has picked up on those earlier statements and has reflected upon them using, of course, the scriptures and using principally uh, what our Lord Jesus has called us to do, and so this is, of course, a... a, a difficult conversation it's an Mm. emotional conversation it's something that uh, i think we'll want to do our best to approach not just from the uh sort of hypothetical position of the intellectual realm but looking at the real the real lived effects of war thinking about it pastorally uh we both work lucas with uh with young people Mm -hmm. and potentially one day there's there's no no young men in my youth group so far over the past six years that have gone off to uh, be in the military. Uh, but uh, I do know some who are in the military, some, some people that not, not former youth groupers, but uh, just, just people that I happen to know through life. Uh, and so this is something that we should think about, not just yeah. as a, as theories or ideas, uh, but uh, very pastorally as well. And so, Why this topic, Lucas? That's something we should we should ask. Why? Why should we bring it up? Is there something pressing in the world uh, that's making us think about it? There is the Ukrainian Uh, war. And so this obviously has implications there. But uh, I'll just tell everybody, this is something that you you suggested as a topic. And so I'd love to hear you uh, discuss your own sort of personal history and background with it.
0: Sure. Yeah. Well, and I think we're in a unique moment, I guess, in our history, or at least in our modern history, where we're we're transitioning officially out of the war on terror. Yeah. And now we're looking at uh, we we recognize there will be conflicts in the future, God willing, not for a long time, hope, you know, yeah, Lord willing. But right now, of course, uh, there is the the looming conflict of Russia and the Ukrainian war mm-hmm. and all of that, but. Yeah, I did suggest it. This is something that's been, and maybe not in the, the technical sense of just war theory, hmm. but something that I, I've thought through for a very, very long time in yeah. my life and just due to... War in general. War in general, violence, um, when yeah. it's appropriate, when it's not appropriate. Certainly scripture is full of hmm. w- w- when it's okay and when it's not okay. Yeah, The application of that is a little bit more sticky, I think. Um but anyways, I, I grew up um, for a long time thinking that my calling in life was to to go to war, was to be in the military since I was a very young child, which is kind of a weird and unique part of who I am, but when <laughs> since I was very young and I want to yeah. say 10 11 years old, I wanted to be a marine.
1: So you were you were young but you were old enough to realize sort of some of the moral implications of that. 10 year olds have a developing moral compass right yeah a five-year-old may just think oh war wow that sounds cool you get to shoot guns yeah Uh, but a 10-year-old sort of they sort of know
0: yeah no it wasn't it wasn't me just enjoying the running around with my friends shooting with my my finger gun yeah um or or whatever uh i wanted to i i i wanted to make a difference in the world Hmm. and i thought that part of the way i can make that difference was to fight yeah and I would say that in my upbringing, and I'm not contributing this to anyone in particular, but I would say I was uh, very much a, a fundamental kind of uh, American nationalist. Hmm. I bought the, the, the moral superiority of America hook and yeah. sinker.
1: The exceptionalism.
0: Exactly. I thought we knew what was right, and when yeah. we went to war, that was right. Yeah. So divorce that from Christian theology. Sort of theology. The, uh,
1: the sheriff of the entire world. Yeah, you know.
0: Yeah, and I I wasn't thinking, in the sense that like we deserve that, but in the mm. sense that generally we knew what was right. Hmm. Um, so that was kind of. But anyways, I uh, I, yeah. uh, for for years, and in fact, my my father wanted to talk me out of going to war. Hmm. I wanted to, uh, so probably at ten or eleven years old, he pulls me aside one day and he says, you really want to go to war? Let me show you what it looks like. Hmm. So he pulls out Saving Private Ryan, VHS tape, and he says, <laughs> we're going to watch the first 10 minutes of Saving Private Ryan. Hmm. And if you've ever seen the first 10 minutes yeah. of Saving Private Ryan, um, it intense. is, yeah, it, it chronicles D-Day uh, in World War Two, And it's so realistic that when it was shown in theaters, uh, hmm. soldiers from World War II had to leave the theater because it was so realistic. Hmm. And that actually did the opposite for me. I wanted to go to war even more yeah. after that, and uh, really thought that was my calling, and that was something that I've had to wrestle through as I became a Christian and as I've uh, gone into pastoral ministry and really w- what does God want hmm. uh, for me, so on, on my own personal level, which was not to go in the military, never did, uh, but then what does God want from us as christians when it comes to violence and and war and and those are two different things violence and war Uh, obviously there's violence and war but i think today we're mostly talking about war Mm -hmm. and on a macro level on a national level and and world stage
1: yeah so you desired for a long time to go into the military and to fight uh it didn't materialize it didn't happen Mm -hmm. uh having conversations with you outside of this recording, I I know that your views then went through a time of shift, a a time of change where uh, it sounds like you moved towards one of the views we should even really get into as we discuss this whole thing. One of the views is famously known as pacifism. (laughs) And as far as I know, just sort of mapping the landscape of the theories, there's really only two sides to this within the Christian world. There's pacifists, uh, which seek Nonviolence, yeah, in, on all things under, as a as a principle, yeah. Uh, yeah, under every circumstance, um, we should not fight and should never uh, take life. It's never morally justified to take someone's life. Would be the argument, um, and then the other side of that would be just war. Uh, having spoken with you outside of of this episode, I know that you were sort of, you were moving in the direction of pacifism in some ways or wrestling through that. Uh Uh, I'd love to hear you sort of uh, extrapolate on that. Sure. uh, What, what led you to sort of think that way and where are you at now?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And in, in this journey, which would, it would have been, it's been about a 10 year long journey, I would say. Uh, I would say I felt like a, a split personality at some times, because I still, interesting, for a long time, I still wanted to be in the military after being married. Mm. Um, and uh, I would say that, that that finally left, by God's grace, that, that desire has gone away since probably about 2020, 2019, mm. something like that. Um, but at the same time, even wanting to go in the military and wanting to fight, God, I, I was going through this process of... of Uh, being a pacifist. I would say that as I became a Christian and Mm. as I studied God's word and as I came into this really sweet relationship with my Lord and Savior, um, I I felt convicted that I should not, under any circumstances, perpetrate violence. Hmm. Um, That killing was always unacceptable. That um, violence of any kind was always unacceptable. Now, the double standard in that the whole way through is at the time i believed killing was always unacceptable and yet i would have said if you tried to hurt my family i would have i would kill you hmm. uh, uh, and my wife can attest to that um but i i think through that process so i i swang the pendulum swing in that direction so you're
1: never fully on the
0: board with the pacifist side intellectually of i was okay practically no <laughs> okay All Right. Uh, so intellectually distinction. i distinction yeah um,
1: you so you found it persuasive. I did, uh, but not ultimately so in the, in the sense that it wouldn't have affected your decision making in a moment of extreme emergency. Yeah,
0: exactly. and and those I couldn't marry that that my practical experience and my intellectual experience. Yeah. I couldn't find a, a good resting point. So I would say since for the last four years, um, hmm. I've walked back towards, just war theory i don't know if i'm totally on board the ship per Mm. se and i don't know if there is one ship there's uh, some differing opinions sure um i think that there is and i guess let me let me say this crouched around this conversation i do want to say um i have tremendous respect and love for those who have gone to war and have had to kill and it breaks my heart and i don't think that you're any less before God. I don't think that there's, Mm -hmm. there may be things that need to be repented of, but the killing itself, I don't, I don't know. I don't want to ever, I don't want to put you in a box and say, because you've gone to war, you are, you've done something atrocious and something simple. I don't agree with that. Yeah, there's like, yeah,
1: because it can feel like there's no coming back from that. Yeah. And that there is no grace for you, especially if you did so knowing the, the, uh, moral, Uh, complexities of war and you you sort of you were a mature adult when we went to war and you you killed knowingly yeah uh, and so you may wrestle with that sort of uh, like guilt and that shame and you know In PTSD, we often think of PTSD as sort of something that manifests uh, mainly in certain behaviors that have to do with a certain alarm or paranoia or sort of fear, that sort of fight or flight um, sort of response. And it can then result in such a dissonance with lived reality that it can it can lead uh former soldiers uh to even taking their own lives there, there are alarming numbers of of suicide yeah uh, amongst soldiers and that's been something that's sort of been it's publicly recognized yeah. it's, it's heartbreaking um and so part of i think what makes this whole conversation so impactful is thinking of it pastorally for those who have gone to war i have a i have an old friend who, when we all turned eighteen, he went off into the Marines yeah. and he was the marksman for his okay. troop, and came back and he wouldn't ever tell stories. So it wasn't really his thing, and I think he he did and probably still does wrestle with with what he ha- was yeah. was called upon to do in taking life. Um, and I know he did. I know he he did tell us uh, I've I've taken lives. Yeah. Uh, he didn't tell us the stories. It mm-hmm. was just too much for him, and I totally get that. But I yeah. think part of the work of just war theory, if, if just war theory doesn't speak to uh, soldiers in that situation and doesn't give them a gracious word, um, I think it has ultimately failed. I agree. This isn't to, to to say that everything is just totally excusable because there there are actions that soldiers might take that are inexcusable. Uh, but I would say it's not not necessarily wrong, and I want to be really careful with my words, it's not necessarily wrong to kill in war. Uh, it's not actually even a, um, I would say, I would argue uh, that it's not um, incompatible with loving them mm. to take their life. Uh, that will seem really alarming for people. And you can see in all of this, I think the the pull of... Of the pacifist view. Yeah. The pacifist view is extremely clear. It's extremely consistent. It's extremely simple. And those are all uh, the sort of virtues of that view. Uh, it, it makes perfect sense. Jesus says, Love your enemies, pray for those who persecute yeah. you.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Bada bing, bada boom would what be he sort did, of right? the argument, right? right. And he, he nonviolently took the cross. Yeah. He died. He didn't lash out. In fact, what did he say from the cross? He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And so his his stance in all of that was to never respond violently for himself on behalf of himself. And so there's there's a I think there's a persuasiveness, there's a weightiness to the pacifist view and I I don't want to dismiss that. I do not ultimately take that view and I feel strongly uh, that 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 view is ultimately wrong, but I I think what I hear you saying is is just as helpful in that we can't just blanket make a blanket statement that all just war theory is, is absolutely good and great. Uh, we, we these are things that are obviously really important and need to be thought through yeah. with, with, with a lot of uh, in-depth thinking and reflection and meditation upon scripture and, and and wisdom and prudence. And it's not something we could possibly even articulate fully in, in a single episode of Reformed Podmatics. Yeah. Uh, but, these are things we should try to think about. And even if, if there's a listener out there who has, has taken life in the heat of war, uh, we hope that this episode and the, this, this, this discussion, not just here, but the overall conversation about just war can be helpful to you and helping you see that, uh, what you've done is not necessarily sinful or wrong yeah. or something you should feel shame or guilt yeah. for.
0: Now I do think that, um, I, just psychologically there will be likely guilt and shame and that's that's probably unavoidable yeah but i would agree what just war theory does tell us um is that there are circumstances where you are not guilty it is not murder and it is not wrong therefore there is no reason to feel guilty at least intellectually but again taking anybody's life under any circumstances even the most extreme where this has to happen Hmm. it will mess with you psychologically emotionally i uh about a year and a half ago i Hmm. lived in washington and i had a neighbor who was a vietnam war veteran and we developed a really good relationship and uh one one evening he came to my house fairly intoxicated Hmm. and asked if I would come over and have a chat with him, and sat for probably three hours and listened to his war stories. Hmm. And uh, he was a man who loved Jesus and wanted to do what was right. Hmm. Um, and he still—I mean, it, he was—it's been I, whatever years, wh- what is that, 50 years since the Vietnam War. and yeah. And he was— according to his stories, he completely justified in what he did. Hmm. And yet he still felt that weight of the this the the guilt <laughs> of what he had to do, um in those moments. And it's it's hard to see that and hard to walk through with people that are, are suffering from that. Hmm. Um he recognizes that God has saved him and that um uh, that his grace is sufficient in all things hmm. um, but he still struggles struggles yeah. with, with the, the, the...
1: And I think part of the difficulty is that it's hard to t- detach your own responsibility when you're acting in the place of... Even though you're acting in the place of your government, of your nation, it's it's hard to not see how you yourself are ultimately responsible. If, you, if yeah. you're the one who pulled the trigger, I, I could understand the sort of psychology of, of feeling the moral weight falling only on your shoulders... Uh, I think just war theory helps us to to see that uh, in warfare you are an instrument of your nation, and therefore, and this is where I think it, it does attach to Romans thirteen. Yeah, your nation carries the sword, and that's a God given responsibility of nations. They they do not bear the sword in vain. We're told by Paul, uh, but they do it to uphold justice and to uphold order in the society. Uh, and so you may be a part of that sword. That's what I think militaries are. Uh, and so I, I, I guess what I'm saying is that there's a, there's a way in which I, I think just war helps soldiers to see that they are not ultimately responsible, mm. not to say that they can just, you know, totally divest themselves. We can all turn off our brain and go to war and kill because just because our government tells us to, just war doesn't say that either there must mm-hmm. be just causes which maybe we'll get into but uh, it helps us to i think make distinctions between a responsibility uh and who who's responsible for what in the in yeah. the, the sad thing that war is
0: and maybe we should take a moment and uh describe the the three i don't know rules or principles of yeah. just war theory. Do, do you want to do that? Yeah,
1: so sort of classically defined, and I'll, I'll start by saying I'm absolutely not the expert on just war theory. Uh, I had to sort of f- freshen up uh, over the last day or two just to even sort of yeah, feel somewhat prepared for this. We're learners with you. Uh, yeah, so uh, I I have a book here in my hand called Protestant Social Teaching, an Introduction. It's a collection of essays put together by the Davenant Press and in this book, which I definitely commend, it touches on all sorts of things that have to do with social teaching or how Christians are to live in our world. There is a chapter simply titled Just War by a, uh, a scholar I've never heard of before, Mark levecce I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing sure. that incorrectly. It looks to be an Italian name. It's very cool. Uh, he gives a really great essay. Actually, I may share other parts of this. We'll see. Um, but he he helpfully just shows that the, the sort of history and the tradition of just war theory um, and he, he argues that though it's often sort of accredited to uh, augustine as kind of being the father of it mm. he says that that's probably an overstatement augustine does say some helpful things but again he's sort of working with the strands of thought that go back to the greek philosophers um, and so he shows that it's really aquinas who kind of uh standardizes just war theory
0: which tells you how old this is yeah so right.
1: this this goes back uh, Christians have been thinking about this for a very long time uh, so in this essay uh, Mark Levitch very helpfully shows that Aquinas says that there must be three things necessary uh, for a war to be just uh, and so there's Sovereign authority. A nation must have the sovereign authority. It can't just be some uh, individual citizen uh, lashing out and starting a war. It has to be on behalf of the sovereign nation, uh, the just cause. So, if a war is to be just, it must have a just cause, and then finally, it must have right intention. It must. It not. It can't just be like some young guys all wanting to go to war and kill just because of the glory of yeah. war. Uh, it has to be for the right intentions. And so then he gets into, and he shows how Aquinas then explains just cause, which of course is the most contention contentious part here. The just cause uh, must in, in sort of have these three things, the protection of the innocent, uh, recovery of what has been wrongly taken, or the res- restoration of justice there, mm. and then the punishment of evil. Um and so those are the three historically or traditional just causes for war. I'll read those again. Protection of the innocent. And so if some if if, if people are being innocently abused or or endangered by uh, a a group or a a uh, a nation yeah, I think or a leader see that
0: in today's world then
1: they they are uh, justly able to go to war. Uh and there's a, there's all sorts of other nuances and qualifications. Just because I'm a, a, a group is being abused doesn't mean that war is necessarily sure. the step. And so that's a, that's another thing in this whole conversation. Yeah, is well, just
0: just war theory would agree that it's a last resort. Exactly.
1: War is a last resort. Uh, you you want to by all means live at peace with with all people insofar as it depends on you, yeah. as Paul puts it in Romans chapter twelve. And so war is not like the thing that we just want to jump into because it's just let's go to war. Mm -hmm. There may be all sorts of other things we can do to avoid going to war. War is the is the last resort. So that's that's that one. And then again, two is the recovery of what's been wrongly taken. Uh, the restoration of justice and the punishment of evil. Now, of course, these these lead into more conversations themselves. Uh, how do we decide what what's been unjustly taken mm-hmm. uh, or, or how do we punish evil? Yeah. Who decides what, what's evil and are we the ones to punish it? Uh, can one nation sort of slap the wrist of another nation with war? Uh, is, is that appropriate? Uh, all sorts of considerations have to get worked into this ethical matrix yeah. I mean that we just must think through
0: just to illustrate how sticky that is we look at the conflict in Russian the Ukraine the Russians would say that this the Ukrainian territory was always their territory right therefore they're recovering it mm-hmm. ukrainians are saying well we're defending our homes and our lands against
1: because at one point it was a part of Russian territory and it was so, yeah at what point in the in history do we do we look back to as the sort of standard golden age yeah. in, that,
0: in that conversation? So yeah. who's right? that, that yeah. That's the sticky ethical dilemma of just yes. war theory. Who's right and who who is the precedent yeah. for just war? Now, of course, we recognize that Russia, and I'm sorry for, I guess, using this necessarily, but we recognize that Russia attacked first yeah. and Ukraine is defending itself. So. And so
1: then they could be seen as the aggressor mm-hmm. and Ukraine as... as and their response has been acting with self-defense you you would argue um so one of the things that i think is is important here to get into as well is that well if we're looking at at scripture what 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 scriptural defense do we have of of just war because it seems of of course the the divine mandates especially in the sermon on the mount coming from christ himself uh sort of cut against the logic of just war quite strongly. Hmm. Um, Yeah. As we've said, uh, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you, turn Uh, the other, turn the other cheek, uh, those sorts of things. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Uh, so those seems to, to really not fit very well, at least on first glance, uh, with just war. Throughout the new Testament, uh, I'll just say this, uh, we're told to not seek revenge ourselves. Yeah. This, this is really prominent, for example, in Romans chapter 12, where the apostle Paul uh, tells tells the Roman Christians uh, in verse 18 there. He says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. So, so far as it depends on you. Do all that you can. That's in your power to live peaceably. He says, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. It's interesting to me. The very next chapter is the chapter on the government bearing the sword.
0: That is interesting.
1: Uh, As... As Christians, we are never to lash out. We are never to be like Peter, to lash out with mm. the sword, to, to defend ourselves or our cause. That is not how Christians act. Our, our battle is not against flesh and blood, we're told, but against powers and principalities. And so it is a spiritual war that we are engaged in, not a physical war. Although we live in the real world, there, there are physical wars that take place. Yeah. And those physical wars are to be fought by nations, by governments. Uh, and so the just war theory says that while Christians should never lash out as Christians uh, and, and avenge themselves, God has set up ways of, of for himself to have vengeance upon un- injustice and unjust peoples and unjust situations. And so how does he do that? Well, he does that through governments bearing the sword. And so I would say we should never fight a battle in the name of Christ with swords and guns and bombs.
0: Yeah. That See, is not
1: how Christians are called to live. Yeah, I do think that Christians are able to, uh, to fight on behalf of nations uh, because that is how God has structured our world to be set up and governed well. And f- for the most amount of peace and order as is humanly possible. And so I think just war allows for nations to fight wars. It does not ever excuse Christians to fight war. The church at Ammon Valley should not be, everybody grab your guns, we're going to go out, and we're going to start shooting people in, yeah. in, the, in the name of Jesus. Name of, yeah. uh, no, that's absolutely not what we are supposed to do. The church That's not the church's call. It's not our battle. Uh, that's not even remotely... Close to what Jesus has told us to do. Again, He has told, told us to love our enemies and pray for those who yeah. persecute us. Uh, but what do we do when, uh, when we're called to love our neighbors and one neighbor is punching the face <laughs> of another neighbor? Yeah. Uh, in in this essay bar, by Mark Leviche, uh, Leviche. I, again, I'm sorry. Um, I know you're listening, so I'm we're sorry he's getting. I'm wrong. I'm <laughs> trying. Yeah, I'm trying my best. Yeah, if Mark is listening to this, I apologize, my friend. I very much appreciated appreciated your essay. Uh, he writes this in this book, and I'll just read a quote from it. Uh, it's about a paragraph. He says, "As a military ethicist and, and a Christian, I am sometimes asked, given both the dominical prescriptions of neighbor love and the implications of divine love that ground human dignity, how I can sanction killing someone made in the imago, or how I can sanction killing someone made in the imago dei." On these occasions, I admit that I never would, not unless the real question is, what am I supposed to do when one Imago day is kicking apart the face of another Imago day without justification, and he won't stop? I do know that I'm supposed to love my neighbor victim as well as his aggressor. Let us call him my enemy neighbor. I also know it's insufficient to say that I love the victim neighbor now and the enemy neighbor later but it's also clear that I cannot love both of them in precisely the same way in precisely the same moment, but I am to love them." And so there's a sense in which in loving our neighbors, we must get involved when, when things like that are happening on a global scale and even on an individual uh, personal scale. And so that is part of how we we love people is by getting involved. And so the the essay that he writes sort of extrapolates uh, that sort of framework that it can be loving to to kill the enemy neighbor uh, if all things are if it's if it's morally justified and there's a whole course of a matrix that needs to be worked through and thought through, but it can be it can be not only justified but seen as the right thing to do, a sure. good thing to do uh, given the circumstances. Uh, and I think that that is that's important. Yeah,
0: well, and I think we recognize that Scripture allows us to defend ourselves, and uh, it does call us to defend the weak. Um, but even, uh, what is it, Luke twenty two thirty six. Uh, Jesus is sending his disciples out, and he talks about how they're to sell their cloak and buy a sword, hmm. and uh, kind of the, the common academic thought on that is essentially just self-defense. Now, some people would say, uh, this is, uh, in a spiritual sense, the sword being hmm. uh, God's word, the sword being, I think that most agree, and I don't, I guess I don't want to put words in other people's mouth, but I think most agree that he's he's talking in a self-defense. There's robbers, he, there's, and we recognize hmm. who has a sword in the garden. Well, hmm. Peter has a sword in the garden, hmm. so he seems to be carrying that sword. It, and of course, Jesus never meant for Peter to use it the way he he, he did, but We can maybe extrapolate that it was for self-defense.
1: Yeah, that's 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 one of the interesting distinctions that I'm I'm thinking through as I as I've been sort of studying this this subject now is we should never take to the sword to fight for the cause of Christ. Uh, That should be a Christian maxim and a a commitment. Absolutely, the sword is not the way we go about it. Uh, But if it's uh, if it's in the temporal realm and we're thinking about somebody threatening us with the violence. We have the right to yeah to defend ourselves. Yeah, uh, we should seek as far as possible not to respond with lethal force. Yeah, we should respond with the the the, the least amount of force as is necessary yeah. as fits the occasion. So there's a sense of proportionality, which that also is a big part of of just war theory. Uh, we, we we want to respond proportionally
0: uh yeah just because we can kill someone doesn't mean we should yes uh, and, and
1: therefore it doesn't mean it's necessarily justified to kill someone yes. if you can if you can respond with without lethal force
0: that's why police officers you, have tasers right you may to um
1: yeah like the beanbag sort of things yeah. uh, that we'll use to take people out with uh, just to de-escalate a situation yeah i think that that is uh that's good one thing we haven't touched on quite yet we've looked at the just causes for war historically i can share the uh the cool latin words uh (laughs) i just learned so i can sound smart uh use ad bellum which means the sort of the the just causes that lead to going to war and then there is use in bello, which is uh sort of uh justice in fighting war so there's in just war theory, it's not just about what are the causes that are, make it just to go to war. It is how should we fight wars justly? Or maybe as Christians, we could think of this as how should we, if we're going to fight, how should we fight Christianly? Uh, do all, uh, is all fair in war? You know, just do whatever you want. Uh, just, just you know, sort of turn, turn off a switch in your mind. You're no longer... Uh, living as a Christian, you can just uh, go into a blind rage and yeah. do all sorts of unjust things because you're in war and all the rules are off. Uh, the just war theory in the church has always said, no, you mm-hmm. you should fight uh, according to Christian principles. There are some maybe some uh, exceptions to this. It seems like from the essay that I've been reading from already that uh, Luther, I have, haven't verified this for myself, but Luther sort of seemed like, sounded like he he would say, do whatever you want in war. All is fair. Uh, Just win the war. If the war is just, uh, the the ends justify the means. That's at least uh, what I seem to be hearing. I would love to hear any Lutheran listeners out there who want to defend Luther. I'd be more than happy to uh, be corrected. Uh, But I think that that's an interesting conversation. It's not just about uh, a just war. It's about doing war warring justly being Mm -hmm. in the midst of war justly and this isn't to say that you can always work out very complicated philosophical and ethical questions in the heat of battle (laughs) uh soldiers aren't gonna be able to say hey you know what let's just i'll take a five minute break i'm gonna think it over i'm gonna pray it over and i'll come back to it and i'll make a decision Uh, yeah that's not how battle works you have to make decisions very 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 quickly uh, but there's also a sense in in which we must think about the just ends of war. Uh, if a war does not end justly for and, – and end in a way that brings about and restores justice for maybe a group of people who are being persecuted. We can think of uh, Gaddafi in Egypt mm. uh, not too long ago uh, who Obama went to war uh, and waged war with him because of uh, – his his threat that he was going to kill in a sense within his country uh but nothing was really done to finish war and therefore the country was sort of left in a power vacuum and now there's there's all sorts of uh problems there is it was it, it's not egypt was it egypt no it wasn't egypt it was uh it was...
0: iraq <laughs> Gaddafi. that would be iraq iran
1: yeah, i should do more studying i know See, like, yeah. i tell you guys i'm not like i'm, I'm not a military <laughs> historian here <laughs> Um, I think it was Iraq. I was in college at the time. Omar um, Gaddafi. Yeah. Omar Gaddafi. I know that the story is that nothing was really resolved and has created more injustice now. Yeah. Sort of a, uh, a, an anarchical, uh, sort of environment. And so just using that as an example, again, I'm not the expert on these examples or these stories. I wish I were, I wish I knew more, but, uh, the, p- the point I, w- I want people to see is that just war also includes a just resolution to war. And we should be at least seeking it. We may not yeah. be able to bring it about. We may fail in war. We, you, you can lose a war, and that is not immoral. That's yeah. that's just a simple failure. It's just part of part of life. Part of life. That's yeah. how things can go. Uh, but you should seek, if your, if your war, if your cause is truly just, you should seek to bring, bring about a just ending that yeah. is going to bring about the, the human flourishing in the in the place where the war is taking place
0: yeah so one of of the things that i want to think about uh think through is i guess kind of the pastoral uh answers to um, who decides when a war is justified now let's say let's say your government goes to war do we just kind of blindly go to war because okay the government's decided he's the the sword of of god or do we actually take a step back and 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 then take yeah. some time to discover and pray about that and then on top of that who who is it that actually makes that decision should we make that individually now i think there's always an individual component but or should we we hmm. try to do it more on the church level uh, the church coming together and making those decisions on on kind of that uh, ecumenical level hmm. and then um yeah and then what does it look like to actually decide on a personal level let's say somehow that war is proclaimed just or this is for the right reasons let's take world war ii for example i think yeah. w- we can say that was a just war yeah i think that the uh,
1: the lines there are quite clear
0: yeah that's an that's one of the nice ways or nice examples because it, it's very clear um I think that it can be a just war and it still be unjust for you to go fight in that war. Now, Mm. divorce your minds from the draft and stuff like that. I understand that. But um, you can still go to war that is just and go because you want to go kill people Mm -hmm. and you want to have the glory on your own. Your own personal
1: intentions can make it unjust for you. Exactly. So
0: objectively,
1: The war itself is a just war. Yeah. Yeah. And that's
0: where I would have fallen in 12, 15 years ago. Yeah. Um, The desire, I mean, I think that it's a little bit more complex than that, but there was the desire to just go Mm -hmm. and be a part of that that warrior warrior culture and and kill and and that type of stuff, and I think that's wrong.
1: Yeah, maybe that's a final sort of uh, destination we could go in this conversation, the psychology amongst particularly young men uh who have a sort of you could almost call it a bloodlust. Um although it's not so much the killing that, that they want to do, it's more of the the glory of mm. of war. Uh there's, you know, sort of the the historic messaging towards young men is to glorify battle. Uh and I I don't know, I suppose just by my own sort of anecdotal observations and guesses here that the reason for that is be, is to try to create cultures in which uh, battle was seen as a not a glamorous thing but a uh, an honorable thing mm. so as to create and to uh, and to deepen the resolve and the strength of young men to, to prepare them sort sort of through the course of their life should the uh, should should war happen that they'd be Prepared and ready to go and fight uh, wars throughout human history took more manpower than they take now with the rise yeah. of technology, and so I would imagine that sort of the overall messaging that young men received and even still in some ways receive through, particularly through war movies now, is to glorify war in such a way as to see it as a just a, an unquestionable good. Uh, sort of as you were saying, because my country is in the right, mm. just naturally, we're the right ones, we're the, we're the good country, uh, then I should go want to wanna go to war and kill and do this glamorous, glorious, amazing thing, uh, that's going to sort of uh, boost my, my life, my sense of self, my self worth.
0: Um, sure, yeah, yeah, self that, uh, that's a big part of it, right? Sense yeah. of doing something, but yeah, it's important, as you
1: said, making a difference in the yeah. world, uh, and it's that's a good thing to want to make a difference in yeah. the world, want to make a positive difference. Yeah, absolutely. I would commend that in every young person. Uh, and even and you can do that. I would say through going and being a warrior, being yeah. a soldier. Um, I, I, I have no problem with that either. I I do think though, the intention, what is the, what is the posture of the heart? What is the attitude of the heart yeah. in it? Uh, we should be very careful to not want to go to war uh we should be have as much as we have a resolve to fight for those who do there should also be an equally strong resolve to not fight unless it's absolutely necessary yeah and there should be a we should notice the the sadness of war yeah. sorry go ahead
0: well no that, yeah i think you're absolutely right so i think when we do dis, we do believe that a war is just um i think it is extremely important that we make the decision whether we're going to go to war. Um, unemotionally, we try to back off the emotions. They'll always be there, but try to get underneath the emotions hmm. um, and, and our own personal hmm. and political views, too. We have to understand politics drives some of this as well. As Christians, we need to get past those and uh, make our decisions carefully, sober-mindedly, um and, and and most importantly as biblically as we possibly can yeah um recognizing
1: we, that we may not do all the math right yeah along the way well
0: and then that's 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 another thing that we do have to recognize if you choose to go to war you have to be okay with the consequences yeah um or maybe not okay maybe that's not the right answer but you, you have, have to accept, to accept that yeah. there will be consequences that could be your death that could be your maiming that could be... Moral injury
1: to you. Moral injury.
0: Psychological injury to you. And likely, yeah, psychological, killing someone. Yeah. I think you have to accept that that's that's a fact that that might happen. Uh, hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it,
1: one it, thing, I think, to close out this episode that I th- I think was helpful for me again, this essay, which was really profound for me, uh, and I, I read this to Lucas before we even began recording, but I'm going to read this again for you now, uh, because I think it is... It, it, it touches on the right things. So this is, again, by Mark Levece. He starts out the essay with, with this story. He says, On a cold, gray January day in Poland in 1995, I attended ceremonies marking the 50th anniversary of the liberation of Auschwitz-Birkenau, the former Nazi concentration camp in the southern Polish town of, and I'm not going to read this correctly, uh, Oshwashim following the formal observance the names of all the dead began to be read over the loudspeaker one by one by one i toured the camp for several hours and all the while the names continued when i departed heading toward town on foot along the hated rail line until it bent away i could still hear the names name after name after name as they faded into the growing distance Later that evening, sitting soul-worn in a village pub, I worked out how long that recitation must have continued, imagining we had the names of all the estimated 1.2 million people murdered at Auschwitz, and supposing that it took a single second to read each name, it would have taken 13.8 days to read the names entirely, two weeks without pause of an unbroken litany of stolen lives. And so then he finishes this section a few paragraphs later, saying this the just war tradition serves as a way
0: to prevent a 14th day of names. That's the second time I've heard that and it still blows my mind.
1: Yeah, it's he actually picks that thread back up at the very end of the essay, which is several pages. uh, And he gets into that tension again of neighbor love. Hmm. And so this is how he finishes the essay. And I don't know if I'm quoting too much and I'm going to have to give some sort of, uh, I don't know, (laughs) <laughs> payment to uh, the davenant institute <laughs> uh, but he ends with these words and i think that they were really profound just as essentially the christian just war tradition has relieved the tension between neighbor love and the use of lethal force it has demonstrated how war can be a godly vocation and has put steel in the spine and the spirit of christian war fighters so that they can go happy into battle not happy that they get to fight but happy that they are the kinds of people who live in the kinds of nations fortified by the kind of faith willing to fight hmm. when fighting is necessary to protect the innocent, to overturn injustices, and to punish evil, and to prevent a 14th day of hmm. names. That is, I think, the just war theory in a nutshell. Yeah. Preventing that fourth 14th day yeah. of names. And so... Yeah, we hope again that this has been a helpful, fruitful conversation for those of you who maybe are just curious about Just War. Uh, Maybe you yourself are interested or are uh, thinking through, uh, discerning a call into uh, that vocation, into the military, or for pastors who who work with uh, combatants and former combatants. Uh, We hope it's been a helpful uh, reminder from God's word and has been a a something that has helped you to think through what God's word says on these matters. Any closing thoughts for for you Lucas?
0: Yeah, I just want to want to mention that if you have fought in battle, if you have hmm. even even uh home uh, at the home police officers or, or whatever that yeah, may be, first look responders, like, um we we want to just highly encourage to um give yourself over to the church, give yourself over to the people who love you hmm. and uh, don't recede. And I know that's the temptation. And I know that what you deal with is painful, no matter on what level that's happened. Even if you haven't taken a life and you've just been in battle. Yeah. And recognize... nobody understands it.
1: Those who yeah. haven't been in it. And I don't, I,
0: I, we, I haven't been in battle, so I do not understand yeah. what you're going through, but we, we just, we, we want you to turn to the loving arms of Jesus. And we, we believe with all our hearts that, um, Forgiveness is there, whether or not you need to ask for it or not. And we recognize hmm. that yeah. there is just war, so you may yeah. not. But God, God wants you to draw near to him in hmm. all things. And that's where eternal joy is. That's where eternal healing is. Yeah. And uh, so, I, I yeah, I, I guess at the end of the day, my, my hope is that this conversation is encouraging hmm. um, and not something that causes people to recede, but to... Yeah. And
1: come. even if it's just emailing one of us, our emails are on our church's pages, so they're not hard to find. Uh, we would love to, to hear from you. Uh, but until next time, again, thanks for listening. Grace and peace to you all.